Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Nicole Hannah Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. You probably haven't given much thought to having your own podcast, but I think you'd make a super interesting one. You definitely have the personality, voice, and the story to make something other people want to listen to. PRX is accepting applications for round two of the Google Podcast Creator Program. It's an accelerator designed to get more underrepresented voices into podcasting. Selected teams will receive seed funding and participate in an intensive training program. You've got to get your applications in by April 28th. So head on over to googlecp.prx.org. You can find the link in the show notes as well. It's the little guide that you have. But what happens when you start studying a foreign language mm. and you, you just try to speak as error-free as possible and you, you want to communicate and um, at the same time you, you've been told all these rules mm-hmm. and you've been told all these verb tables and you've been told all these endings and, oh, my God, this word's feminine, this word's masculine and blah, blah, blah. You start worrying that all of that is going to stop you from communicating Hello and welcome to the Wannabe podcast. I'm your host, Imri. Wannabe is the podcast that takes you from where you are right now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you for staying subscribed and listening in. You can subscribe for free and catch a brand new 30-minute episode every Wednesday. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please do tell a friend and tweet us at Wannabe Podcast. Also, if you want to screenshot and tag the episode you're listening to in your Insta stories, if you tag at Wannabe Podcast, we'll reshare it. This week's guest is Kirsten Cable. Kirsten is the writer and educator behind fluentlanguage.co.uk. It's a website helping everyone build a language learning habit. Kirsten is a native German speaker and comes from the Moselle Valley in Germany. Kirsten studied six languages whilst in Germany and has since added another three with her most recent language crush, Welsh. She is the host of The Fluent Show, a podcast, and the author of The Guide's Language Habit Toolkit, Fluency Made Achievable, and The Vocab Cookbook. Kirsten also co-organizes the Women in Language online conferences, amplifying and celebrating the voices of women in the language learning community. Kirsten has been running fluentlanguage.co.uk since 2012, starting out as a German tutor with a bigger message. Over the last five years, she has built her reputation as an advocate of independent and creative language learning, created retreats, coaching packages and courses. She's been featured in The Guardian, The Cut and on BBC Radio and worked tirelessly to change how the world sees language learning. In today's episode, Kirsten shares with you her process of learning new languages. You'll learn three different techniques to overcome your language learning blocks. She also shares the best way to tackle grammar when learning a brand new language. We cover the best way to achieve your language immersion when you don't have the money to travel. And there is so much more in this episode. Let's go. 
So as always, I would like to know who you wanted to be before you became who you are today. Oh, when I was, okay, when I was really little, I think the first job I wanted was that I wanted to be an air hostess. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> because <laughs> because they traveled a lot and they could speak English because my native language isn't English. So the the fact that somebody could speak English when I was growing up was like, oh, wow, metropolitan magic or something like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I never, you know, aeroplanes were just so Im- unimaginable for me. I'm from the countryside. and Where just, from? I'm from the Moselle Valley in Germany. Wow. That <laughs> Which is it's beautiful. It's very green. It's very remote, very remote. Uh, no one, well, wine people know where we're from because we're a wine growing, like a working wine growing area. One of, one of the best in the world. I'm just going to throw it out there. For, mm-hmm. for a certain type of wine. So I've grown up, my parents are winemakers. My brother is a winemaker. We've oh, got wow. hundreds of years of winemaking history in my family. And, you know, so it was all tractors and grapes. Well, that sounds incredible. So you actually <laughs> know how to make wine. Like, that is a skill you have. Well, I mean, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty sophisticated skill, but I know how to taste wine and I know <laughs> what, to, what to look for, and um, I know how to how to talk about wine, I suppose, and I know how wine is made, <laughs> but you know, I don't have my own I don't have cellar skills and two years because there's a lot of chemistry in winemaking. Yeah, I can imagine actually. Mm, yeah, so I know all the theories and I know how wine grows and what you got to do with the vineyards and stuff. So. Tell me about the interest in languages. Like, where did that, besides, I guess, the air hostesses who could speak English, <laughs> where did it all begin? And when when did you start to take, like, quite a serious interest in wanting to learn, I guess, multiple languages? Mm, I, I've always, always been into languages. I remember when I was, you know, not actively thinking languages, that's it. But when I was in primary school, I remember that our teacher did... Um, we did this song and the song was in Hebrew. And that's probably my first sort of foreign language coming out of my own mouth that I remember. Hebrew. That's pretty Hebrew, intense. yeah. Oh, why not? You know, Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> You're like six, so it might might be any language. Uh, so we, and it's just a song, you know, something about a fox or something. So we did a little song and a little dance and that was in Hebrew. And then we did, of course, Sur le Pont d'Avignon. And we did, you know, if you're happy and you know it, and sort of my first few foreign language contacts um, in Germany at the time in the 80s, I think some of our advertising, quite a lot of our advertising probably had English music in and then there may have been MTV and stuff like that. So you always and English was on the radio. So you always knew that other languages exist. I'm also from really close to Luxembourg. So we'd get the Luxembourgish channel on the radio and we have a very strong home dialect that is very different from Hochdeutsch from like standard German so I kind of grew up with a different dialect spoken it was always it was always oh it was I was always aware that different people speak differently and I think that was always fascinating to me this idea that you could be somebody else and you know take on a different aspect and maybe escape a little bit yeah from your life of grapes and old grannies <laughs> judging you in the village that's insane um it, it was cool it was awesome you, no I mean like insanely cool how 
Do you think there's like a certain way, like do do you, have you found actually through your podcasting and actually through mm-hmm. your learnings yourself that you have to have a certain type of, I don't know, not a certain type of brain, but kind of a certain type of brain or mindset to be able to pick up languages quite quickly? Or is it a case of once you have mastered one, it becomes easier to learn others? Both is true. <laughs> okay. a, a special kind of brain, no. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is a talent for languages as such, but I think there is, I think it's some, some people are naturally drawn to it. Right? Right. So I think sometimes you're just into it and that goes a long way. So if you're into communication and then the mindset aspect is really powerful because, and I think that's why um, so, so many people, especially in English speaking countries, they they all, it's as if English speakers naturally believe they don't have a brain for languages yet the rest of the world learns English without telling themselves that do you know what I mean yeah so there is something in there about well you know pressure but I think also the way the education system puts emphasis on it so you don't you don't necessarily teach it in the same way not everybody learns in the same way yeah and I think when I you know so my podcast that we've mentioned and I'm sure you're going to mention it but it's essentially about I, as I say, loving, living and learning languages. And I think it's about learning just as much as it is about languages and about how we learn and about what what motivates you in learning and how you can get better at it. And in that way, what you said earlier about once you've learned one foreign language, yeah, it gets easier to learn a second one. That's because you, you don't waste a lot of time doubting yourself, for example. Yeah. I just wanted to drop in and remind you to get your application into PRX for their Google Podcast Creator Program. It's specifically designed to get new voices into podcasting, and it's an intensive training program with some of the best podcasters in the world giving you everything you need to be successful in the global podcast market. It's an incredible opportunity and definitely worth sharing your idea with them. The deadline is on April 28th, so make sure you get your application in via googlecp.prx.org or check my show notes for the link. I mean, I've definitely tried <laughs> to learn a different language. And also I had five years of French in school. And I think it's quite interesting what you said about um, language education in the UK specifically, where I went to a language college, actually. So they offered German, French, Spanish, Japanese. Um, and then I think they had some kind of electives in the evening. So like kind of other languages that I'm actually not even too clear on but oh my god that's so exciting it was like a language college and (laughs) it even rebranded itself as such like it didn't start off that way it was just like a high school for girls and then it was like Westwood Language College um Mm. and yeah so it was like five years of French and I had I think two years of Spanish maybe and I feel like the way I, I I actually had like a bit of I I know we said that there's not really a brain for it, but I definitely had like a natural aptitude for French Mm -hmm. um, because I had a French relative relative, when I was relatively young Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes she'd speak French around me so I can pick up some things in French or I can understand it in a way because I was exposed to it from a lot younger. Um, But then... Repetition and exposure are huge in language learning. Ah, okay. So that's the key thing because I felt like with French, I could kind of like coast through it as a course just because mm-hmm. I had like some exposure to it and then it was kind of relatively easy um same thing with Spanish I find Spanish to be quite easy to pick up quite quickly but I'm not 
I wouldn't say I'm massively conversational in it, but I can definitely get by in, in mm-hmm. Spanish speaking countries. Um, but my and in my family, my sister's a linguist and um, speaks fluent Spanish and I think some conversational French. So like there has been like a general interest in languages um, in my family, which I think probably helps with the intrigue around it. But it, I, do, I don't know that um, I feel like there's for some people, at least um, in my experience and including myself, that you kind of get to a point in learning and then it becomes a bit of a block. And I think for me, that's mm-hmm. grammar. Um, trying to understand the grammar in another language. I don't even understand English grammar. So <laughs> to try and figure out how that all comes together in another language just seems to be like a massive stumbling block for a lot of people, especially where like um, some languages tend to have gendered terms. Um, so I, I was wondering like, what what do you advise for that part of the learning? Because I imagine it would be quite different because um, you're essentially moving from kind of speaking um, where you don't necessarily have to think about it that much to like when you're trying to kind of progress to reading and writing. Mm-hmm. How, how do you how do you best learn the kind of more technical aspects of language? Whoa, so exciting. <laughs> okay. um, it's, oh, there's so much in what you just said. One one thing is um, especially pointing out the grammar and the way you said, I don't even understand English grammar, mm-hmm. which um, for a long time was a... Um, a school attitude, a school strategy, partly which is that you don't get taught a lot of English grammar. And me coming, for example, from the German education system, Germans learn their own grammar. Right. You know, a, a lot. So, and that, that and, and what I have found with Germans who are learning foreign languages is, and, and people have remarked on this as well, is we're much less scared of grammar. Mm. And you can't make grammar into a scary thing. Grammar is so handy and it's so helpful. And it's the it's the little guide that you have. But what happens when you start studying a foreign language mm. and you, you just try to speak as error-free as possible and you, you want to communicate and um, at the same time you, you've been told all these rules... Mm-hmm. And you've been told all these verb tables and you've been told all these endings and, oh, my God, this word's feminine, this word's masculine and blah, blah, blah. You start worrying that all of that is going to stop you from communicating. Yeah. And and, and this goes for reading, this goes for, for writing and for understanding. And the more you try to express yourself and you've got all these rules in your head, the more it basically stops you from expressing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and and this. School, if your school is very exam focused or if you, you know, if it's very um, form focused teaching as well, then what happens is you get very made aware of your errors a lot. Yeah. And and I've been, you know, I've done, I've gone through years and years and years of French tuition that kind of had the communicative aspect, but also had this like, I will write two pages and you get picked up on every single time you haven't done like the, the EE because the word is feminine. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, another grammar error and it costs you four points and stuff. So there is there is a balance, obviously, in teaching it right. But the way I would say if you're teaching yourself a language to get over that grammar hurdle is, number one, get get curious, definitely, especially about how does English do this? You know, how do we put sentences together? How do we communicate? And you've got to know your basic basics you know it helps to know what a verb is and what a noun is because you're trying to learn a language and that's otherwise it's like learning to drive without knowing what a steering wheel is it just yeah 
it's, 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 it just comes in handy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, the, but you don't have to like get every single ending right all the time. I find that the way I teach and what I recommend is to wait until the questions come to you. So do a lot of work through input. Don't put pressure on yourself to speak, especially don't put pressure on yourself to speak perfectly, instantly. You can speak, but you've got to be aware, like, I'm just here to make mistakes. And that's how I speak Welsh. I just make all the mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and everybody's still like, oh, you speak Welsh. And I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> it's bad Welsh, but I don't care. But if you are a... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If you are a, a perfectionist or you are nervous about it, then don't put pressure on yourself to speak it. Just read, 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 listen, and you'll find that naturally your mind will start going, why did, you know, like, why do they keep doing that? Yeah. Why does, you know, like, why does that keep happening? Or why do, like, in Spanish, what is this me gusta thing? Or what, why does it say me gusta and then me gustaría here and yeah. uh, me gustan here? And that's when you've got the question in your head that's a really great time to look up the rule. Yeah. Because then you're working from interest and curiosity. Oh, that's a really good tip. Yeah. yeah, does that make sense? It definitely makes sense. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I guess with Spanish, um, I was just dropped in. So the reason I can I just about get by, um, my sister is one of those sticklers for the rules, so she always picks me up. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. When I, like, mispronounce things. Um, But... That's because she's fluent. And I went to, so I went to live in Costa Rica, Nicaragua for about 10 weeks. And one, they in Nicaragua, they just like drop all of the S's off their Spanish. So their Spanish makes like no sense to me yeah. anyway. Um, but generally where I was staying, no one spoke any English. So you kind of, ju- you're forced to just communicate in the best way you can and I always maintain that I just bastardized Spanish like it's not it was not perfect I was just saying words I was hoping for the best and I seem to be like people generally understood or tried or kind of understood what what I was getting at or what I was trying to communicate and so just I think that gave me the initial confidence that while I um 
I did kind of speak to an English and Spanish speaker at the time who just gave me like the key phrases. I was like, I need to know how to say like a bunch of these things. Can you just give me the words? And there was no past tense. There were no kind of like specific verbs or anything. She was just like, these are the kind of the words that you might need to use. And I just like strung things together, almost in like the English, like how an English sentence was structured, but with Spanish words instead. And generally I got by. And then, yeah, like you said, people... Either you see something, you're like, oh, why did you say it that way? And you ask. Or people either will kind of correct you as you go along. Um, They're like, oh, did you mean this? And it's never really, I've never had it be like a massive scolding or a thing of shame. But there is something in me being a perfectionist as well. That um, when someone does correct me, I don't want the shame of having (laughs) to be wrong again. Be enough to kind of make sure I get it right the next time. So I've always found like, a correction does help, but also not having, you're right, there's a joy to not having the pressure of trying mm-hmm. to get it perfect the first time. Because I think that's what always puts me off. Like I always get to a point where I'm like, oh, but now I need to communicate in past tense and I don't know how to do that. And it looks really too, really, way too confusing because there's way too many verbs and all of them have their own endings. And then there's irregular verbs, which don't even make any sense to anybody. And so, yeah, I, I definitely kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely builds up and it's like, oh, I, I've hit a certain level and I'm actually not going to continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but do you see that this is really interesting, even listening to this and hopefully like a listener will also like hear like there is so much psychology in this, mm. you know, there is so much attitude in this and there is so much. And I love that's my favorite part of, of language learning is the way that. The way that it um, our own mindsets come into it and the way that we can actually, you know, you can you can defeat yourself completely. And that's definitely what you do when you say I haven't got the brain to learn a language. Mm-hmm. You've, you've given up before you started. Like that's like saying I've got I don't know. That's like having a, a, a big bum and saying I haven't got the bum to exercise. or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> OK, then, then just don't. But if you, you know, like if you come at it from that point of view of I'm just going to try this and this is going to be fun and people are okay. And the more positive feedback you get, the the better you get. And there is that perfectionist side and we have to, it's one of, so I think a lot of what people say about the fluent show is, is that what we try to do and, and just generally the way I teach is I don't teach like, like a school teacher because I don't have to, because the people I'm teaching. Do you have, a system or a process that you think is that that generally works for I guess not necessarily everybody because everyone learns quite differently but mm-hmm. is there like a, a general formula that you follow that makes it a little bit easier I have some some tips I know what works for me and I think it's important to remember that it's got to work for yourself it's got to work for you if you are shy and introverted you're not gonna learn a language in the same way I that I do because I'm very outgoing and I don't mind making mistakes and looking like an idiot <laughs> However, I do. I, I always start with pronunciation. Okay. Because may, maybe because I come from a language that has a great consistency between pronunciation and spelling, but oh, okay. it helps me visualize the words. You know, so and and this is something I picked up since I started doing Spanish, and then after Spanish, I did what like Polish and Russian and. Um, definitely Welsh is really consistent. So like you know like different languages I've played around with. And I, now I always start with pronunciation because it helps me visualize words as well. You know, okay. spelling and pronunciation are not separate things. They belong together. Um, and then in terms of a, so here's my 
my sort of system for solo learners, for yeah. people who are teaching themselves, which most most people are now. Like most people don't have time for evening classes and they might be playing around with a bit of Duolingo, but not yeah. really going anywhere. Um, I say you've got to set yourself good goals. And I work with two types of goals when I do coaching and when I do sessions. The vision goal Right. Which is really this is this is what's gonna get me excited. This is how I see myself speaking this language, using this language, being awesome. And it's also about who am I gonna be when I speak fluent fluent Spanish. You know, okay. I'm gonna be Imri in Nicaragua being awesome, being a world traveler. Whatever it is. Yeah. When you follow your curiosity, like I remember when I first learned I was listening to a lot of Dominican radio. Um, I could listen to any Spanish radio, but Dominican radio was absolutely hilarious. So I didn't know everything that was going on at the time. But like you got the I got the general gist and like telenovelas are absolutely hilarious. I'm very focused on Spanish for some reason because that was the language I really want to master. Mm. Um, but then what I found, I, I, I'm actually quite curious because I think um, there are some languages that are quite similar. So I can't learn, I found, I shouldn't say I can't anymore, but I found it really difficult to learn Portuguese and Spanish at the same time. Um, or started learning both of them at the same time, but because they're so similar, but pronunciations are very different in the languages, I found that quite challenging. And do you think that it's worth not doing similar languages at the same time, or do you have you found that they can work quite well? This is a really, really common language learner question. I think this is sort of top top five language learning question when people are learning solo. And I think it's partly because people who want to learn a language and teach themselves a language are quite ambitious. Yeah. And also learning one switches you on and then makes you want to learn a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> At least I hope so. That's, that's how I operate for sure. Uh, let me think. Um... There is, well, the answer is there is no real answer. Some people are really into it. Some people learn, you know, some people might go to classes where they do Spanish, Catalan and Portuguese at the same time. Wow. Or French or, you know, because they're all in the same family. They're all romance yeah. languages. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could, you could go, there's, what law is there to say that you can't do a Spanish and Swedish class at the same time? So you've got like a, a Latin and a Germanic one yeah. or, or whatever, whatever you want to do. And um, that's absolutely that's absolutely fine. I personally, but this is my personal preference, is because I don't, I'm not a dabbler. My my podcast co-host who does lots of episodes with me, Lindsay, she's a bit more dabbly than me. Right. So she she will do lots of languages at the same time, whereas I go I go quite deep. I think sort of eyeing up Chinese, like me and Chinese were sort of flirting a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I often think of them as like love affairs, my languages, Amazing. but, uh, I, I personally like to get to a level where I'm at least intermediate, feeling really comfortable. And, um, and then I, I start playing with the new one, but that is personal preference. That is not because the human brain is wired to do one thing or yeah. the other. So it may just be, Again, especially if perfectionism comes in, if it makes you feel frustration, I would say be very careful with that mm -hmm. because it can make you, it can just taint the whole process for you. Yeah. And I, I do think I, maybe it's my personal preference, but I imagine um, for the people that have the privilege of being able to travel to the country, the target language country or countries that speak that language, um, it's just infinitely better um, to get it done. I found that like I'm much more willing to look stupid um, in that 
in the mm. country because generally speaking, they're not, they don't speak English or yeah. there's no version of English that is usable. Um, it's been immensely helpful. I think language learning is one of those things that I think a lot of people would really enjoy doing, really enjoy and really benefit from actually, because I think it just helps us connect with the world on a, a much larger scale. I think in the UK, it just feels like we overly depend on um, people to understand us and not the other way around. And I think that kind of creates like a really closed society. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's not, it's not just language, is it? It's always it's a little culture, bit yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I feel like every, every time you learn a language, I, I believe that if everybody like, you know, if more or less everybody, for example, in the UK, had the opportunity to not just learn a foreign language because, you know, we try and we end up putting people under pressure, but like found the, the joy in that and found the, 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 the way it opens your mind, mm-hmm. we would, we would morph into a more tolerant society. I don't know. I believe like basically languages are going to save the world. And I'm very, I'm very excited that now with the internet and with, with projects, you know, with like what I do at Fluent, mm-hmm that what we we get to do, what we get to put out into the world is to show that there are different ways of going about it, that it's not something that is just for the elites. You know, when you sort of think back to 1920s, it would have been one of your accomplishments or something like that. Um, it's, it's not, you know, a trophy. It's not something that you were bad at in school and that means you must never go near it again. You're forbidden from doing it. It's not something you have to be perfect at. We get to put out an, uh, maybe a new, modern, m- maybe more empowered image of a language learner. Yeah. That is a little bit messier, a little bit more fun. You get to play around a little bit more. And um, uh, we get to communicate a, a different way of, you know, like we sort of modernize teaching in that way. And I'm very grateful, sometimes daunted, but mostly, mostly excited about being able to do that. No, that's incredible. I think you're doing an incredible job. You're doing phenomenal work. And it is nice to be, to have all of the different ways in which people can learn something new, a new skill that essentially opens them up to a whole brand new world, um, a whole new group of people that ordinarily wouldn't interact, they wouldn't interact with. Um, it is a very powerful, powerful skill. Um, and I actually admire the hell out of you for knowing at least six languages. That it's like an in, insane <laughs> amount of languages. And you don't like you've chosen it's, like it's just, ones it's just that what I would, I'm a nerd about. Yeah, I mean like you've chosen ones that I genuinely think would be really difficult. <laughs> like Russian <laughs> and Polish. Um <laughs> I definitely think there are people that like would definitely go for ones that feel like practical for work. Um but yeah, if you're like that's that's your passion and it and it clearly comes through in yeah. all that you do and even on your Twitter feed it's very much very much your focus and, and what you Kirsten gave so much to this episode. It's been incredible. You can find out more about Kirsten via her website, fluentlanguage.co.uk. You can subscribe to her podcast, The Fluent Show, and follow her on Twitter at Fluent Language. Thank you so much for listening in. If you're listening via the Apple Podcast app, please do me the small favor of spending five seconds to leave a rating. Also, to get your career, brand, or marketing questions in for the mailbag episode at the end of the season. You can do this via wannabepodcast.com. Or you can tweet us at wannabepodcast as well. Also, 
We have the Content is Queen podcast festival on May 18th, now taking place at King's Place in King's Cross, just like last year. So if you are a woman interested in starting a podcast, then please do head on over to solivefestival.com. That's S-O-L-I-V-E festival.com for more information and for tickets, which are like £10 for really great workshops led by really incredible women. So head on over to solivefestival.com for more information. Also, be sure to follow Wannabe on Twitter and Instagram to get more content there. Thank you so much. Have you started your application for the PRX and Google Podcast Creator Program yet? It's a fantastic opportunity to get your podcast idea funded and out into the world with the help of some of the best podcasters in the world. They really want to make sure your voice is heard, so get your application in before April 28th. It's open to all underrepresented people, whether that's gender, race or sexual orientation. Selected teams will receive seed funding and participate in the Ultimate Intensive Podcast Training Program, designed specifically to get underrepresented voices into podcasting. Please do not miss out. Get your application in via googlecp.prx.org or check the show notes or the link. In a time of disruption and fragmentation, there is opportunity to not only survive, but thrive. Now more than ever, it is important to understand how the U.S. is performing on the global stage. With over 600 correspondents in more than 50 countries, the Financial Times offers a unique, independent, and truly global guide to the world's new agenda. Visit ft.com today to learn more about the Financial Times. 